Jesus, we honor you and praise you tonight. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the honor of being in your house tonight. Father, you allowed us to be here. You allowed for us to be here tonight. You put in our hearts a desire to want to be in the house of God, among the people of God, among the body of Christ tonight, Lord Jesus. You put in us, O God, a desire, Lord, a willingness and a want to, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we didn't come here against our will, Lord Jesus. We came here because we love you, Lord Jesus. We love being in the presence of the people of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. And God, most importantly, you are here tonight. Hallelujah. You are here, Lord Jesus. Your angels are here, Lord Jesus, to minister in this place tonight. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, to lift up, to edify, to strengthen, oh God, to bring conviction, oh God. Oh, Jesus, we need you to have your way tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Let's sing this chorus tonight. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, on earth I long. To be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory. I only ask to be like Him. Let's sing that again. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, that's what it's all about. On earth I long to be like Him all through life's journey. From earth to glory, I only ask, that's the only thing I ask, to be like Him. Let's sing that one more time. To be, I sing it like I mean it, God, I want to be like You. To be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory. I only ask to be We just love you tonight, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. Hallelujah. 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 
The Bible says that when we get up there and we see him, we shall will be just like him. We'll be in spirit in his presence. What an awesome, awesome thing to look forward to. While we're on this earth as a part of his body, someday he's going to come for his body. Amen. I want him to take as many as he can. Don't you? Amen. This isn't just for special people. It's Bible says to whom till ever will. Let him come. Amen. Amen. We are so honored tonight to have Rakeem Jackson with us. I say that right? All right. All right. Great to have you here. What an honor it is to have you. Amen. And um, we just pray the Lord bless you so, so many ways. You're like one of them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did you come with her? Okay. Awesome. That's awesome. We love Sister Karina, don't we? Amen. Hallelujah. Great to have you tonight. Amen. So tonight, we're going to talk about being Christ-like. Being Christ-like. Well, that's it's harder to see back there. It looks all right up there. Hallelujah. Being Christ-like. You know, we use that, that terminology a lot. I want to be Christ-like. Don't you want to be Christ-like? Don't you? Everybody ought to want to be Christ-like. Those words are not found in the New Testament. The concept of being Christ-like is all over the New Testament. But those words in specific, if you try to look those up in your Bible app, you'll never find them together. They'll be strewn in a scripture somewhere, but you won't, you won't find the term being Christ-like. But that doesn't just get, that doesn't get you out of being Christ-like, does it? Because that's not in the Bible. Not specifically those words. So we're going to talk about that tonight, okay? And uh, Brother Becker asked me, to cover, Pastor Becker asked me to cover for him while I, while he was out, and within 24 hours, the Lord spoke this to me and said, "Okay, this is what you want me to talk about. This is what we're going to talk about." Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Matthew 28, verse 18, 19, and 20. I'll give you a minute to get there. And Jesus came and spake unto them. Saying, you know what he did his whole ministry? He just went around talking to everybody. He spoke to individuals. He spoke to crowds. He spoke. He spoke everywhere he went. He always had something valuable to say. Never did I. Never do I see in Scripture where Jesus just said some empty words. It was always whatever he said was important because it was from his Father. Because he said, whatever I do, whatever I say, it's because my father's telling me to do it or say it. So this stuff is important. He left us the record that we're reading tonight for a reason. I need this. I don't know about you, but I need this word. I need this. I need to be saved. Don't you? 
I'm not once saved, always saved. I need Him every day. Amen. And Jesus came and spake unto him, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And ye there, go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command, have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Jude chapter 1, Jude verse 20 through 23. There's only one chapter. But ye, you know, if you look it up in my Bible app, it shows chapter 1. I don't get that, but they had to put that in there, I guess. But ye, beloved, who's he talking to? Everybody point at yourself and say us. Talking to the body, right? Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Where do we get our faith? Amen. It's his faith. Because I don't have enough faith to do some of the things he's asking me to do. I need his faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God. I'm not going to look it up, and I didn't look it up, but I'm pretty sure that love word there means agape. That's that God love that doesn't have a definition. They don't even have a Greek word for it. It's just a God love. It's the love that God has for us that transcends all that we've ever said or done, past, present, or future. That's some love right there. It's the love of our Heavenly Father. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Thank God for mercy, right? You know what mercy is? Not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. I'm thankful for both. Grace and mercy. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and unto eternal life. I'm not old and repeating myself. I read it again on purpose. And of some have compassion. It's a powerful word right there. And on some, and of some, have compassion. Making a difference. Are we doing that? We're talking about being Christ-like tonight, right? Are we doing that? You all mind if I just keep stopping in the middle of reading these, do you? We, are we doing that? I'm, ask, I'm not asking you to answer me. I'm, I'm, the Lord's trying to to dig down and, and get a hold of something in your spirit. You'll listen tonight. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh, not hating the individual, hating the sin that's in their life. Right? Is there anybody out there we shouldn't have compassion on besides the devil? Nobody. Everybody outside these doors is a candidate. Everybody outside these doors, everybody you go to work with, everybody that lives next door to you, everybody that you stand next to that you don't even know their name, they're a candidate for compassion. I'm thankful that one day I was a candidate and still am a candidate for his compassion. 
His mercies, the Bible says, are new every morning. They fail not. If I messed up yesterday, and if I've repented of that, it's under the blood. Tomorrow when I wake up, it's a new day. He's not going to come back and say, well, what about yesterday? Because he can't. He can't see past his own blood. So that's, that's all history. And guess who likes to just drum up our past all the time? The devil. Same devil that tried to destroy Jesus and that didn't work. <laughs> his credibility is like... So don't listen to him. How do you know it's the devil? Because <laughs> he, everything he says in your head, he'll try to destroy you. He'll try to tell you you're worthless. He'll try to tell you you ain't good enough. That's not from God. You're His child. Amen? Like I said, there are so, there's many, many references in the New Testament, especially about how to be like Christ. And that should be our goal, no matter where we are in our walk. I've been in this 33 years out of 63. So over all about a little over half of my life, and I, you know, I could just say, well, I wish I could go back and redo those other years before that, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stew over that. I came in when I came in. Period. End of story. That's all that matters. How old was um, Sam when God saved him? Old Marine in, in Okinawa, God saved him, filled him with the Holy Ghost. We baptized him in the East China Sea at 70-something years old. And that dude, he would not stop soul winning to the day he died. Went to that base every day trying to find somebody that would listen to him. Probably a whole lot of them listened. I, I left after that, but I think he saved a whole bunch of people, or he was in, instrumental in that. So don't let age or your circumstances or your background... Or any of that get in the way in your mind of God doing something in your life. Well, I was born and raised in this. So? <laughs> you still need Jesus. You still need to be Christ-like. You can't depend on your mom and dad's Christ-likeness. Or their lack of it. You've got to decide for yourself. That song that that we don't we haven't sang around here, but there's a song that says, "You decide for you, and I'll decide for me." I choose to be a Christian. I choose to be like this. Nobody's making me do this. This is how I choose to live. I want to be Christ-like. Don't you? I want to be Christ-like every minute of every day. I don't want to be Vince-like. Now, I know that sounds funny, but and I know that's who I am, but I don't want them to see me. I want them to see and feel Jesus when I walk in the room. I want them to say, what is that? I know that's why when they curse at work that they immediately stop and say, oh, excuse my French, or oh, I'm sorry, I meant to say this. Because I never have said one word to anybody about who I am or what I do, but they just do it. 
And they've learned. They know. They know there's a difference. Because they feel it. Because when you have His Spirit living in you, you carry it around with you everywhere you go. And you need to realize that. You're like the bow of a big Navy ship. You are displacing, like the bow of a Navy ship displaces water. Whatever the size of that thing is underneath the water, it's displacing all of that water. That's what you're doing with the Holy Ghost. You're displacing things in the Spirit. When you walk into a room, they don't know what to think. They don't know what to say. They don't, they don't, and some of them never felt that before. We need, whew. Wow. Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Starting in verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy, that you may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one account, of one, excuse me, of one accord, of one mind. Who was writing this? Paul. What, what, would it, what did he mean by fulfill ye my joy, that you may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, and one mind? Talking about Jesus. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. And if we're in the church, it's not about us individually. We are part of the body. You might be a finger, you might be a toe, you might be an arm, you might be an ear, but you're part, you're a valuable part of the body. Try going through life without your big toe on one side. You ain't going to walk right. Try picking up something without your thumb. You can't. You could learn to. We're important. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but within lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. I might be the, the whole foot, but man, I need them toes. Because I can be the foot, but without toes, I'm just a, a stump. So I'm going to esteem my toes in spite of the fact that I'm the foot. They need me, I need them. Look not every man to his own things. But every man also on the things of others. You ever heard the phrase or the term preferring your brother? Prefer your brother. Prefer your sister. Let them go first. Let them be first. Not just first in line at the food food court. <laughs> the buffet. But prefer your brother. Esteem them higher than you. They're special to God. They all, we're all on the same, we're all attached to the same body. We might as well all be special to one another. Let the world see that. It was the love that I felt among the people of God that was one of the things that drew me into this. Because I never seen, I grew up in a very close family and we're still close and, and all of that. And it, my, one of my daughters-in-law kind of freaked her out because her family wasn't like that. She wasn't used to all this hugging and everything and it was like, Hang around. You'll get used to it. But we need to be like that. 
We're a close-knit family. We're attached. There's joints that attach us all together. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's get the mind of Christ. Well, what does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about that. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, same writer, Paul says this, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. So Christ wasn't around anymore to follow, was he? Not, not in person. So what did Paul have left? He had to follow after somebody. And he followed after Christ. Well, did he have examples of how to follow after Christ? He did. The other disciples. So the guys in the, new, in the, in the Gospels, they followed after Christ directly. Right? But in the, after the Gospels, after Jesus was gone off the earth, the new converts had to follow somebody that was living like Christ. Who did they have? The disciples, Paul, Peter, James, John, all those guys. And as the church grew, Paul, all those guys, those 12 initial guys, couldn't be around all the time. So who else did they have to follow, Sister Linda? Each other. The elders that were, that were appointed by Paul. New converts, saints, people around them, the churches around them. They had to encourage one another in the Lord. They had to, you know, we had to be able to say, hey, brother, hey, sister, you shouldn't be acting like that. That's not how Jesus would act. What is it about Jesus that Paul is saying that we need to follow? How about maybe His will and not our own? What did He say in that prayer that He prayed? Father, not my will, but Thine be done. What does that mean? That means everything about you. That meant everything about Jesus, every decision, every emotion, every thought, everything about Him. He laid it down and said, Father, not my will. Now, now granted, He did try to pray His way out of that situation, but the Lord, the God of all glory said to Him, No, you need to go through this for them. And that needs to be our prayer. That same prayer that he prayed right before he went to the cross. We will be known in the world around us by the fruit that we bear, whether we are like Christ or not. People in this world, whether they know it or not, are fruit inspectors. Because they know what a Christian is supposed to be. They know what somebody, they know when somebody's really Christ like and when they're just faking it. 
Those kids in school know when a teacher is just there to punch a clock and they're really there with a desire and a, and a love and a concern for those kids as individuals. They know the difference. They know the difference. And they respond differently to both, both of those kinds of, of teachers. And the same holds true in our life. Matthew 7, verse 20 through 23. Wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. Jesus was talking to the disciples. He was giving them some instructions. He was, he was once again in one of those places where he was ministering to the disciples. He was trying to teach them for what reason? Because he was leaving the church in their hands. So he was trying to get, in, get everything in them that he could. You know, I've been in this 33 years, and I, you would think I just know everything there is to know about how to live for God and how to be Christ-like. Not even close. I'm a lot further than I was 33 years ago, but I have a, a long way to go. I have to desire, I have to wake up every day and want to be Christ-like today. What is it, God, today that, that I wasn't, that I was, that I'm not Christ-like about today? Help me to see that so that I can let you help me fix that, so that I can move along to the next thing. Verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. What's the will of Father? What's the will of the Father for you? Different than for me. What's the will of the Father for Sister Barb? Different than for Sister Vicky. What is the will of the Father? I don't know. For you, I don't know. Now, if God tells me, I'll talk to Brother Becker and let him work that out with you. Sometimes God uses the man of God to help you find the will of God in your life. I'm not going to say that doesn't happen. Sometimes as a new convert, we need somebody to kind of come along and and mentor us and instruct us so that we learn what, 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 the, what the voice of God feels like in our life. But then eventually you, you gotta, the parents got to let go of the bicycle. You can't just keep pushing them down the street. <laughs> You'll wear yourself out. Sooner or later you got to let them go and pedal, right? And that's where we are. Many will say in that day, what day? That great day, the day of the coming of the Lord, the day, that judgment day. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we uh, cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. A lot of people are going to say that. That's talking about right now, this generation. There's a lot of people out there right now that are saying that, that think they're okay, and they're not. Not for me to judge. they got to find their own way. Seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? You better know what, you, what that book says. That's all i got to say. And what did Jesus say here about those that claim all that stuff that are probably this is talking about the church, right? He has to be talking about the church because he's talking about 
Casting out devils, stuff that you can only do with, with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, with the power of God in your life, right? He said in verse 23, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So the definition of iniquity is found in verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So if you're doing the will of the Father, you're not committing iniquity. But if you're not doing the will of the Father, he calls it iniquity. Right? It's true. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You that aren't doing the will of the Father. I want to do the will of the Father. If that means whatever. If that means living here, so be it. So be it. I'm happy I'm here now. (laughs) I'm still not a Packer fan, but... Some stuff just might take a while. Or it may never happen. I don't know. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's not real good times to be a Packer fan right now anyway. They're losing. Them and them Steelers. (laughs) I'm just picking on Bob back there. Hallelujah. Acts 10, verse 33 through 38. Acts 10, verse 33 through 38. Talking about... Cornelius, immediately therefore sent, I sent unto thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all the things that, there, that are commanded of thee, of God. This is a, a sinner that hasn't been saved yet, and he filled up his whole house. He was a, he was a, a general or something like that, so he didn't have a little house. He had a big old house, and it was full of people. It was like James, Peter thought he was going to go teach a Bible study to one guy. Because the angel said, Cornelius, I'm sending you to talk to him, and Cornelius had a whole house full. Right? Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Ain't that awesome? God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care what your life is like. He doesn't care what your background is. He doesn't care where you, whatever happened in your life. If you were abused, he doesn't care about any of that. I take that back. He does care. But none of that matters. You come to God as you are, he's going to take you and he's going to, he's going to heal you in those areas of your life. Of course, you've got to let go of that stuff. But he's going to heal you. He's going to heal everything about you. If you let him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went out, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So there you go. Jesus, when he was on this earth, that's all he did. 
he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Didn't he say to the disciples that greater things than these shall you do? Because I go to my Father. So does that mean that he gave us the power of the Holy Ghost for that reason? Does that mean that if we have the Holy Ghost, we have the same power that he did to cast out devils? To speak the word of God of truth to somebody, to heal their body, to deliver them from whatever situation they're in? Any of us. It's the same Holy Ghost. It's the same blood of Jesus. It's the same for everybody. So talk, let's talk about the Samaritan for a little bit here. What, what did the Samaritan do in the parable? The good Samaritan. What did he do in that parable? He was an outcast of society at the time. Samaritans were like looked down upon severely. They were like a mixed race. But you know what that Samaritan, he had a good, I think he had a good attitude though. Because when you read about that Samaritan, because everybody in their brother, the religious people, and everybody had their own opinions about the Samaritans, those wicked, evil, those nasty Samaritans. Don't go down through Samaria, go another way. Isn't that what Jesus did? He went down through Samaria and the, his disciples were like, Lord, can't we go around? Nope. Got something I got to do down there. <laughs> He's no respecter of persons. So you know that Samaritan, he, he had this attitude that he didn't let other people's opinions of him determine his value. He was a businessman. He had, he had value within himself. He didn't need their opinion. They're welcome to their opinion, but their opinion doesn't determine my value. That ought to be our attitude sometimes, right? I'm a child of the king. It doesn't matter what you think. You can think all you want. I'm still a child of a king. And want to know more? <laughs> this is how you do it. He did what would be considered in the Christian world today a thing that after the religious and pious and self-righteous ones passed by, he did the thing that they would not do. The ones that were supposed to be the ones that had mercy and grace and all these attributes, they just they didn't want to get their hands dirty, so they passed by on the other side. And the Samaritan stopped in the middle of his business trip, and he ministered to a man that had been beaten, robbed, and left for dead. He had compassion. That's, the Bible says that he had compassion on him. If that was you, wouldn't you want somebody to come along and have compassion and not just leave you there dying? He ministered to his needs. Luke 10, 33-37. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went with him went to him and bound up his wounds and pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him and whatever, whatsoever you spendest more, 
when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that so showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Showing mercy and showing grace and showing compassion is being Christ-like. And not only that, it cost him something. He had to give up his the front seat of the car, if you will. He had to give up his mule. He had to give up his, his ride, if you will. And he had to walk, but he was willing to do that for this individual. And he spent his own money and, and sidetracked his own business trip. And when he left, he said, he didn't just leave him there and say, there you go. He said, I'm, here's enough to take care of him. When I come back, I'll take care of the rest of the bill. He had buy-in. He was willing to put some skin in the game. We gotta be, if we're gonna be Christ-like, we gotta be willing to put skin in the game. And not just once and say, there, I did it, okay? You happy now? If you have that kind of attitude, don't bother. I'm not saying that toward anybody. If that, if that gets in your craw, though, so be it. I don't, I don't know anything about anybody in here. And I go to church here, but I'm, I'm just saying that's what God told me to say. But it needs to be with the right spirit like this guy. And he was, a, he was an outcast. He had more love of Jesus in him than all of those other three guys put together. Amen? Are we doing this? This man's actions would be fall under the category of being Christ-like. Are we doing this? Jesus spent the vast majority of his ministry doing one of two things. He was either teaching and training his disciples or he was ministering to the people wherever he went. And I stand corrected. He did sleep on the boat. (laughs) He had a little short power nap before those whiny disciples said, Lord, we perish because of the storm. Don't you care? Anybody ever said that to God? I'm going through this right now, God. Why me, God? Don't you care? None of us have ever said that or thought it. Don't lie. (laughs) We have to some extent... Why, why this, God? Why now? Why, why? This is very inconvenient for me, God. Why, 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 why? Because He loves you. And He's letting you go through that for your own good. And we know. Romans eight thirty eight, right? 28. All things work together for good to who? Them that love God and them that are the called according to his purpose. All things. When you're going through stuff, James said, shout. Shout. Those disciples, when they were taken before the judges and beaten for the sake of preaching the gospel, what did they say when they left? They counted themselves worthy to have suffered that for the sake of the gospel. None of us have been beaten for the sake of the gospel yet. 
Much of his ministry to the multitudes and to the specific people was done in the presence of his disciples as a teachable moment. He took them with him everywhere he went. And he did all this stuff right in front of them. He fed the 5,000 and he involved them in the miracle. He made that mud ball out of spit and gave man a new eye. Right in front of his disciples. And later he said, And greater things than these shall you do also. <laughs> so does that mean that we could do that? If God told you to do that, absolutely we could do it. Don't try that on your own. But if God directs you to do that, by all means do it. It's going to feel weird like But if that's what he's telling you to do, do it. He commanded a man with a withered hand to stretch it forth in front of the disciples and the religious people. And that man had enough faith to go, well, I've been with it all my life. I'll just give this a try and bam. I went to high school with a guy with a withered hand. All through high school, his hand was right here. I think about him every time I read that. I think, man, where is he at? I need to go find him. Hallelujah. I wish I'd have known then what I know now. But the Catholic Church didn't let you read the Bible, so, well, God knows. Hallelujah. He healed Bartimaeus on the side of the road. When the disciples, in their, in their religious ways, they were still Jews, they were still a little bit religious, Oh, shut up, Bartimaeus. Don't you see Jesus? is He's important. He's, we, we're going somewhere, Bartimaeus. Shut up. And what did Jesus say? He stopped and said, oh, see what's going on here. And he healed him. Because you know what? He honors faith. There's been people that, have, that aren't apostolic that have received healing. How in the world does that happen? Because he honors faith. Childlike faith. He honors that. He touched a leprous man who came to him. And the people, it doesn't say it in there, but I can just imagine the people all around were going, Run! It's a leper! Run! Because you didn't get anywhere near a leper. What did Jesus walk up and do? I think he's he was healed before Jesus' hand ever touched the skin. That's just me. But he healed him because he had the audacity to at least ask. He got what he asked for because God honors faith. He showed compassion to the ruler of the synagogue named Jairus. Jairus. And right in the middle of him trying to answer Jairus, what happened? That woman crawled up to him and touched the hem of his garment and was healed. You think Jesus forgot about Jairus? Nope. In the meantime of all that happening, somebody from Jairus' house came and said, Don't bother him anymore. She's dead. He said, Nope, she's not. Went home. Got rid of all the mourners. They mocked him and made fun of him. And he walked in and just told her to wake up. Dickity-bam, she woke up. 
How about that? Jesus had compassion. He had mercy. He was doing this to show the disciples, I can do this. Because he told them later, if I can do this, you can do it and more. Are we doing that? Because that's being Christ-like, isn't it? James 2, 1 through 13. My brethren, have not the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come also a poor man in a vile raiment, and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand over there, and sit here under my footstool. Treat him like like he's just lower than something low. <laughs> That's respect of persons. Are you... It says here, right here, Are you not then partial in yourselves and are becoming judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme the worthy name by which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. I mean, Jesus answered that one guy's question and said, this is the whole law right here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It means you've got to love yourself. You've got to love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Everybody. The Samaritan. The drunk. The alcoholic. The drug abuser, the prostitute, whoever. But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before judgment seats. Do not blaspheme that worth do they do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called. If ye fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye do well. But if ye have respect of persons, ye commit sin. This is to the church. And are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou shalt, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do. As they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy. This is such a powerful scripture right here. This is such a powerful scripture, this verse right here. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. Do you want judgment without mercy? Does anybody want to stand before the judgment seat and have judgment without mercy? No takers. Good. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. You better learn how to show mercy. Not just physically on the outward in your mind, and your spirit, and your attitude, and everything you think and do. You better learn to show mercy because that's what Jesus did. He showed compassion. He showed mercy to those around Him. He felt compassion for the crowd. He felt compassion for the, for the woman that, that, the one that was caught in the act of adultery. He didn't, he didn't say that she wasn't guilty. He didn't say that that she was that she didn't need to repent of that. She just he just had compassion on her. Imagine that being you. 
And everybody just wants to pick up a big rock and stone you to death. And one by one, they walked away. And what did he what did what did he say? Where are thine accusers? She looked around and said, they're not here. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go thy way and sin no more. Don't do this sin anymore. Stop committing adultery. Do you think that affected her life? I don't remember anything in there about her after that, but I'm sure that affected her life. That had a profound effect on, that would have a profound effect on me if I was that person. Wow. Are we making room for God to work through us as Jesus allowed the Father to direct His life and order His steps? Are we? Ask yourself. Ask God. Are we judging every situation we find ourselves in according to the way that Jesus would have handled it? Are we being Christ-like? Every day, every minute. You don't get to just say, well, I'll be Christ-like in the morning, but this afternoon I'm on my own. Doing my own thing. You've got to be Christ-like everywhere you go. Think about that. Every word that comes out of your mouth. (laughs) I think that's why there are scriptures in the Old Testament that says things like, set a guard over my mouth. (laughs) Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Is that an important scripture to know and to apply to your life? To be Christ-like? Absolutely. Matthew 16, 24-25 says this, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man come after me, or follow me, imitate him, right? Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. What does that mean to lose your life? We're going to talk about that in a minute. John twelve twenty five through 26 says, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life for this world in this world shall keep it unto eternal life, unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. Wherever Jesus is, that's where I want to be. Where is Jesus? He's everywhere. The Bible says he's omnipresent. It means he's everywhere. All the time. He don't ever take a vacation. He don't ever take a break. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. I want to be honored by the Father, don't you? You know, the religious Jews, they purported to be the paragons of godly virtue and wisdom and knowledge about all the things about God, didn't they? They were, they were like the, the head cheese, if you will. Maybe they were from Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, that's cheese head. Sorry. But you know what Jesus called them? He called them serpents 
He called them threefold children of the devil. He called them whited sepulchers. That's a, that's a grave. That's what he called them. All their religiousness didn't amount to a hill of beans to him. Here's a question for you. If we had to see the view of our Christ-likeness through the eyes of Jesus right now, let me say that again. If we had to see the view of our Christ-likeness through the eyes of Jesus right this minute, would we be able to continue looking or would we have to turn away? If we had to see what Jesus sees in our life right now, because He sees all things, He knows all things. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. He knows the inside. You don't. Our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know them? I didn't say that. The book said that. So we can't know our own heart. So if God, if He had to show us what we are looking like to Him right now, would we be able to keep looking, or could we? Would we have to turn away and say, "No, I don't want to see that." You need to ask yourself that. Search yourself. I want to be right before God in everything I do, in everything I say. Does that mean I'm never going to say anything wrong? No. Does that mean I'm not going to mess up and do some things and then i got to go repent over? Yes. But that's what the blood's for. Jesus' name. Philippians 3, 1 through 13. And we are going to be done just in time. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Don't have any confidence in this guy. I come up with some really great ideas. We all do. And most of the time when I take them before God, he goes, yeah, how about this? Because his ideas are better than mine. I mean, he gave us a mind to think of stuff, but I'm not going to trust this flesh. I want to trust him. I want to say what he wants me to say. I want to do what he wants me to do. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, Paul says, if any man other than other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Paul saying, I, hey, I, I have times where I trust in my flesh too. I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger at you guys. I got three more pointing back this way. Circumcised the eighth day, he's talking about his pedigree, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is on the law, blameless. That was Paul's pedigree before Jesus got a hold of him. He was saying, he was saying that to make a point. But, he says in verse 7, what things were gained to me, all that stuff, what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. I gave it all up. I laid it all down. My pedigree, my background, my education, I laid it all down. 
Yea, doubtless, and count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He's not mumbling and complaining right here. And do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. That stuff is lower than dung to me. I don't want it back. There's nothing about that I want. What did Moses do? He, he, he forsook those things of, 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 of grandeur and all the things that he was raised in to be who he was. And, he, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. That word know there speaks of like a very personal relationship. Not just, hey, I, I know Jesus. Do you? Not like that. It's a relationship. It's a personal relationship. It's a close, very close, intimate relationship. Okay? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know that. Paul said, I want to know that personally. And the fellowship of his sufferings. We, all, we like to stop at the power of his resurrection. <laughs> but don't, do you want to know the fellowship of his sufferings? Jesus learned, the Bible says, through the things that he suffered. He learned obedience, yes, through the things that he suffered. So if we're going through something, maybe he's trying to help us learn some obedience. You think? Being made conformable unto his death. Jesus laid all of it down. He laid it all down for us. God, make me conformable to that kind of death. That I just lay everything down. My attitude, my opinion, everything about me, Jesus. Just help me just to lay it down. That I Help me to count it as dung like Paul did. Because what did Paul say? Follow him as he follows Christ. He's setting a pretty good example to me. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. I haven't arrived yet. I haven't made it yet. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which is also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. This thing that I live, it has apprehended me. It's got a hold of me. It did something to me. And it's still apprehending me today. And I don't want to let go of it. I don't want it to let go of me. That I may apprehend that which which also I am apprehended. Don't ever let me let go of this, Jesus. Don't ever let me for a second think about letting go of this. It's the greatest thing there there ever was or ever will be in the world. Verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do do. This one thing I do. This, is, this, this, whole, this whole thing that I'm reading here is a perfect, to me anyway, this is the perfect definition of being Christ-like right here. Forgetting those things which are behind. Can't do nothing about yesterday, can you? 
Don't let your past determine your future. Don't let your past... What's the word? I'm trying to think of the term that I want to... Just like, just like that, that Samaritan guy. Don't let people's opinion of you or your past hold you back from going where God wants you to go. Because the devil will use that. He will use that like a, like a weapon, like a tool. He'll work on you. And, if, and you just have to say, shut up, devil. Don't you know I'm the child of the king? Don't you know who you're messing with? He knows who he's messing with. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We need to be pressing toward the mark. That mark of Christ-likeness. It's not a one-time deal. You don't just come to the altar, get the Holy Ghost, get baptized in Jesus' name, and you, you just become Christ-like. From there on, you don't have to worry about it. It's just like magic. It's not how it works, folks. I gotta choose to be a Christian every day. I gotta choose every day. I'm gonna be like this. I'm gonna live like this. I don't want to go back to that. Shut up, devil. And when he starts leaving you alone in one area, he'll try to come around a different area. But that's why we need to know what this book says. Because if it's not out of this book, just toss it to the side. Put it in file 13, round file. Put it in there. I'm going to the book. Jesus' name. Let's all stand. Once again, great to have you, Rakeem, tonight. Hope you come back. Amen. Father, we love you. We appreciate you. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. I thank you for your mercy, God. Lord, in spite of the things that I might have said, Lord Jesus, that might not have been your will, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your mercy for your people. Lord Jesus, that you have spoken to somebody tonight, that you've spoken to our hearts and minds, Lord, and caused us to begin to look inwardly, Lord, at our life. Father, as we go forward in these last days that we're living in, Lord, that you would raise us up as mighty warriors, as mighty laborers for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, I pray your hand upon every single one in this room, those that were listening online. Lord, I plead your blood over them. Father, that you would lead and guide and direct and order their steps. For your goodness and for your grace and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said in Jesus' name. See everybody.